Well, hello there, and welcome to another edition of Servant's Heart Chapel. I hope uh, this particular episode is a special blessing to you. So let's get right to it. In in the book of Mark, chapter 5, beginning with verse 21, I think I'm just going to read through it real quick. There's two significant things that happen, and, and, and I want to read through it real quick, and then I'll go back and we'll talk more about it. When Jesus had crossed over again by boat on the other side, and I won't switch the verses right now, so I'm just going to read it out loud. A large crowd gathered around him while he was by the sea. One of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came. When he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and kept begging him, My little daughter is at death's door. Come and lay your hands on her so she will get well and live. So Jesus went with him, and a large crowd was following and pressing against him. A woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years had endured much under many doctors. She had spent everything she had and was not helped at all. On the contrary, she became worse. And having heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his robe. For she said, if I can just touch his robes, I'll be made well. And instantly her flow of blood ceased. And she sensed in her body that she was cured of her affliction. I want to point out this really happened. Jesus did exist. He exists still. This really happened roughly 2,000 years ago. This is a historical event. This is not some fantasy. Verse 30, at once Jesus realized in himself that power had gone out from him. He turned around the crowd and said, who touched my robes? His disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing against you, and you say who touched me? So he was looking around to see who had done this. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came with fear and trembling, fell down before him, and told him the whole truth, told him everything. And he said, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be free from your affliction. And while he was still speaking... People came from the synagogue leader's house and said, Your daughter is dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? But when Jesus overheard and what was said, he told the synagogue leader, Don't be afraid. Only believe. He did not let anyone accompany him except Peter, James, and John, James's brother. They came to the leader's house and he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead but asleep. They started laughing at him. But he put them all outside. He took the child's father, mother, and those who were with him and entered the place where the child was. And he took the child by the hand and said to her, Talitha, Coram, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl got up and began to walk. She was 12 years old. It's about Annalise's age. At this they were utterly astounded, and he gave them strict orders that no one should know about this and said that she should be given something to eat. So in a very short period of time, 
Jesus performs two amazing miracles of healing. Let's talk about that. Back to verse 21. His crowd gathered while he was around there. And then verse 22, this guy named Jarius came. Now, synagogue leader, mind you, the Jewish leaders, majority of them were very much against Jesus. They had a problem with him. He was saying he was God. And, and, and there were some that were very concerned that he was going to take away, you know, all the people were going to follow them and then they were going to lose all their, their authority and power. But, you know, having a child very sick can change somebody's attitude. People who joke about God, about serving God, and, and, and all my, you know, I don't care what God thinks, and, oh, if I go to hell, I'm, I'm just going to party with my buddies. I don't care. You know, very flippant attitude. Things change when someone or something you care about is suddenly at risk, and your whole world turns around. And notice in verse 23 that Jairus not only was asking him, but kept begging him. It was an on He wasn't letting it go. It wasn't just a simple request. Hey, Jesus, do you have some time? You know, come by my place, please. No, he was falling at his feet and he was begging him. This man was not a proud man. He wasn't afraid to, to, to humble himself. And, and beg and not stop. You know, sometimes we, 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 we are not expected to quit asking until we get an answer. You ever have something in your life, you don't know what to do about it? Maybe it's a, a sin in your life or maybe something else. And, and you keep, keep getting defeated about it over and over again. And you don't know what God wants, and you need God's help, and you're asking Him for help. And sometimes you just need to keep knocking on the door of heaven over and over again until you get an answer. And to not quit and not just give up, but keep at it, keep calling to God over God, help me, please help me, please deliver me, please save me. If more people did that and had an attitude, like that, there would be a lot of change, a lot of radical change lives. People give up too easy. What if Jarius had given up easy? If he just asked once and, and then just quit after that, his daughter would, have not have li- would not have lived. So beg my little daughter at death's door, come. And lay your hands on her so she can get well and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd was following and pressing against him. And this woman suffering from bleeding for 12 years. It's important to note that this woman was Jewish. So the fact that she had this problem made her ceremonially unclean perpetually. 
She couldn't go into the temple. She couldn't go to church. She couldn't go to church. People could not touch her. She was considered an outcast. And she had this horrible sickness, this illness that was killing her. Verse 26, and had endured much under many doctors, and she spent everything she had and was not helped at all. In fact, she became worse. She was bleeding, broken, and bankrupt. Sometimes a person has to hit rock bottom before they realize they need to try something else. She had gone to people all this time. Now she wanted to come to Jesus. Verse 27, having heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched No, she came behind him. Remember, she was unclean. She wasn't allowed to touch him. And so she she knew she wouldn't dare come to him face to face and ask him to touch her. She couldn't do that. She thought, if I could secretly do this, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, then I would be healed. And, and, And... Verse 28, for she said, if I can touch his robe, he made well. And then when she did that, verse 29, instantly her flow of blood ceased, and she sensed in her body that she was cured of her affliction. Now, of course, at that same moment, verse 30, Jesus realized Jesus realized that that something had happened inside him. Power had gone out. And he asked, who touched my robes? Now, of course, the disciples were confused, right? They were in this, people all around them, this tight throng. Why are you asking who touched my clothes? That doesn't make sense, Master. But it wasn't just any touch. Verse 32, he looked around and said, done this. Verse 33, the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came down and told him everything. This woman, this untouchable woman, told the whole truth. Now, why would you? Why do you think that Jesus would, would have her he could have just let it go. Do you know that? She'd been healed. He could have just kept walking. But he insisted on finding out who it was and, 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 and connecting with that individual. Why would he do that? So I, there, there's, there's six reasons why Jesus had her publicly confess. Remember, it's embarrassing. She, she's... And, and, and she, like I said, ceremony unclean. So the fact that she did this, that she touched his robe, was 
was considered wrong? Number one, he had her confess so she would know she was healed because once she told him, then he could tell her, he told her, your faith has made you whole. Two, he wanted her to tell her, so, so others would know what had happened. Had Jesus transformed her life? One of the, the first things a Christian, when they, when they first get saved and God changes their heart and does something in their heart, they want to tell everybody about it. They want to tell their family and friends. And they usually very quickly find out friends that don't want to hear it. Jesus had her confess, number three, because she, so she would know why she was healed. It was important for her to know that her faith was the heal, uh, uh, main factor in that. For that she, 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 she wouldn't think that she had stolen a blessing. She, she did not steal it. Jesus gave it to her because of her faith. Five, so Jesus would, would see her faith himself. Six, so that she, he could bless her by calling her daughter. No other place in the scripture does Jesus do this. He gave her a very special blessing by calling her daughter. Back verse 34. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be free from your affliction. Jesus le dijo, hija, tu fete, ha, 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 I always want to say the H. Sanado vete en paz y cuenta sana de tu aflicción. What a wonderful thing to hear from Jesus. This woman has been known as a question for 12 years. And while he was, verse 35, while he was still speaking, people came from, the, from Jairus' house and said, your daughter's dead, don't bother to teach her anymore. They had no faith. They thought he was just another man because just another man, once a person is dead, they're dead. But Jarius just saw this woman get healed. Remember, Jairus was there. He was walking with Jesus when all this happened. He just saw this woman get healed and her confess to everybody what had been happening to her and how long she'd been sick and that no doctors could help her. Verse 36. 
when Jesus overheard what was said, he told the synagogue leader, Don't be afraid, only believe. You know, the devil wants us to fear, but Jesus calls calls us out of that fear into trust. Don't be afraid. Just believe, just trust. Trust the Lord. Verse 37. He didn't let anybody accompany him except Peter, James, and John, James' brother. That's because people who lack faith actually inhibit Christ's work. So if you didn't believe it all, he would put you out. They came to the leader's house. And then verse 39 asked, you know, why are you crying? The child's not dead but asleep. And of course they laughed at him about that. How stupid are you? That's what they were saying. So they put them all outside. And he took the child's mother and father and then the disciples that were with him and entered the place where he was. Then he said to the child and, and, and said to her, Talitha Kum, which is Aramaic, by the way. That's what Jesus spoke. Did you know, you know, I'm trying this bilingual stuff in church right now, right? Adding some Spanish to it. But Christians, bilingual has been a big part of the church service from the very beginning. Because not everybody spoke the same language. Jesus primarily spoke Aramaic. New Testament was primarily written in Greek because Greek was like the business language and, and widespread uh, language of, of the known world at that time. And, and the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. So yeah, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, very all together. Can you imagine having churches, people dealing with three different languages? So he said in Aramaic, little girl, I say to you, get up. And then the girl got up. She was 12 years old. The lesson that Christ wants us to learn from this the two main verse 34 and 36 your faith has made you whole don't fear but believe if you walk away with nothing else but those two things today and apply those to your life and and when 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 you are in need of of help from God whether it's forgiveness or encouragement or something going on in your life and 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 Lord help me to trust you. I I can't do it. You know how many I, I love those times in my life where I am completely powerless 
and I have to rely completely on God. You know why? Number one, they're freeing. I don't have any responsibilities because I can't do anything. And number two, it's fun. I love watching God work when I'm completely at a loss. There were many, many times I've told different stories, probably too many times. Cody's heard them enough. He could recite them by heart. All the times where I have, I was stuck, had not, I didn't know what to do. And God took care of it. God has always taken care of me. <clears throat> do you know the story of when I was going to be traveling to Korea for a year? I was... <clears throat> I was a young airman. Cody and China were still babies. <clears throat> and I got word that I was going to be spending a year in Korea by myself. Working for the military. Working for the Air Force. Um, <clears throat> right, started getting prepared for it. Um, and right before I was supposed to leave, a few days before I was supposed to leave, <clears throat> I did the math. I, I realized I needed $100 for travel. Uh, $80 was just for a taxi ride from the airport to the military base in Korea. So I needed $100. And I, I looked at my, our account, and our checking account had just a little over $100. And I knew I was getting paid a day or two after I left. And I knew we had <clears throat> gas in the car. And we had food in the kitchen because Missy had just gone grocery shopping. So I knew they'd be okay if I went ahead and took that $100 out. So the Friday before I was supposed to leave, I went to take that money out. And I got the insufficient funds error on the ATM machine. And so I looked into it. And a company had mistakenly taken $100 out of our account. And... So we had we didn't have the money I needed, and they, they apologized and they're going to put the money right back in. But it takes three days, three business days, so it's been too late for me. I didn't worry about it. I didn't even think to pray about it. I just in my heart I knew it was going to be okay. Now, mind you, I like to pray for stuff. I just it didn't even occur to me. I just felt that peace. So it's, it's going to work out. God's going to take care of it. Now, I didn't tell anybody. Missy didn't tell anybody, especially back then. You might not know it, but Missy used to be really shy and didn't talk to anybody. Hard to imagine now, isn't it? But she didn't tell anybody. And the Sunday, the day before I was supposed to leave, it was a Sunday. I was going to leave on that Monday. We're at church. And this, this sweet old lady came up to me and she said, I'm 94 years old and God is always taking care of me. Isn't that wonderful? And I said, yes, ma'am, it is. And she handed me an envelope 
And I took it, I thanked her, and she walked away. And I opened the envelope, and there was $100 in the envelope. God will take care of us if we just trust Him. But too often, we don't trust. We're too afraid to trust, so we take the situation into our hands and make it much worse than if we just let God handle it. Your faith has made you whole. Our trust in God is what frees us from our affliction, from our addictions, from our problems. Don't be afraid. Sin, we see freedom here from sin, freedom from sickness, freedom from death. We see this woman who was healed and this girl who was brought to life through faith, through believing, trusting. That's what faith is. This woman who, who was in, in pain for 12 years and this girl who lived for 12 years. Kind of reminded me of another 12-year experience. A man by the name of Solomon Northrop. He was a black man who lived in the 1800s. He was free. Lived in New York, and he was captured and sold into slavery. And he was a slave for 12 years and wrote a book about it, survived it, wrote a book about it in 1850, published it in 1853, 12 years a slave. You know, the stuff that he put in there, people didn't even believe it really happened. They thought it was all fantasy. They were just so wild, the stories. But it was all true. He suffered a great deal for 12 years. He was in bondage. He was, he was stuck. He was in, enslaved. And he could not make himself free. He could not free himself. After 12 years, he ran into an, a, a man um, who was an abolitionist. Abolitionists you know, believe that uh, we should abolish slavery. And so he trusted this guy to get word to his friends and family in New York of, for, of where he was. And so they could bring people. And New York at that time had actually uh, given funds and resources for this type of effort because they knew that uh, free people were being, were being kidnapped and sold into slavery in the South. And so they came with their lawyers and and. Uh, uh, law officers uh, to, to get him and safely get him back home to his family. But he could not do it himself. He had to put his trust in someone else. I was once enslaved in sin. And I could not free myself. I needed someone I could trust 
to set me free. And he did. I put my trust in Jesus and, and he healed me and he forgave me and he restored me and he brought my spirit to life and made me a new creature in him because I put my trust in him. And I encourage you to do the same. Let us stand. Well, I hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode. If you have any questions, feel free to email us at ServantsHeartChapel at gmail.com. Also, we have a website, ServantsHeartChapel.org. We also have a Facebook page, so you're welcome to check us out. Love to hear from you, prayer requests, anything you may need. We are here for you. Have a wonderful and blessed day.